0: Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, NASCAR rejects the Confederate flag. Also, APR's Chip Brownlee takes a look at COVID by the numbers. And there's change in the air. Can you feel it?
1: When we allow freedom
0: ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. to the Voice of Alabama Politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Josh Moon, investigative reporter and columnist at APR, and Susan Britt, my constant companion, who I don't have to uh, get six feet distant from, right? Right, right. right. Josh, it has been another crazy week in Alabama, as we have seen uh, protests Monuments come down, and now we're seeing people are calling for name changes on buildings, especially at universities. Uh, the most notable is uh, the University of Alabama and Auburn, but also JSU and ASU. But one of the more controversial ones is the fact that they want to remove George Wallace's name from a building in Auburn. And I've talked to several people. There's there's varying opinions on whether Wallace's name should be taken off. You, however, are emphatic that it should be removed.
3: Yeah, I, listen. I, to me, George Wallace represents um, pretty much everything that is wrong with Alabama government. He uh, was, was a man who was a uh, fairly progressive. Uh, thinker uh, in his early years as a judge in Montgomery, but uh, you know, chose to be to present this persona of this ultra racist, uh, conservative racism uh, kind of uh, you know image to the nation uh, here in Alabama uh, for political gain. That's all it was for. He he played a role for political gain, and it has continued on a tradition in this state. Uh, that I think has done more damage than probably anything else. Uh, here is people who are willing to pander to those who have these ignorant ideals because it is politically expedient for them. Uh, and I, I just, to me, it's just not, it, it's no way to govern and it's no way for you to honor, there's no reason to honor a person who does such things.
0: Susan, I mean, just three months after Governor Wallace stood in the door at the University of Alabama and refused to let black students come in. Three short months later, four young girls were murdered at the 16th uh, Avenue, 16th Street Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And there are those who say that uh, George Wallace's rhetoric led to that murder of those young women, a, a fact that has scarred the nation and our state for years.
2: Well, you would have to know that, I mean, look at the times we're in now with the riots and the protests and all of that. Everything gets to a fever pitch. So, you know, some can say it's not connected, but I would have to think that it was a direct result uh, of the, the, the tone that Wallace set yeah. during that time.
3: Well, if you, well, I'll you well, this too, uh, uh, you know, James Earl Ray, who ended up killing Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, in Memphis, uh, was a basically radicalized, for lack of a better term, by George Wallace's presidential campaign. Uh You know, this, this was a man he followed and, and was convinced that, that Wallace was leading the way in the righteous. Well, and that is,
0: listen, during that time, he was a huge voice for those who wanted to keep segregation and those who uh, were still advocating for states' rights. The problem was the state's rights that were being advocated for was the right to own humans originally. And then the state's right afterwards was the right to suppress humans. Mm -hmm. And these are the same things that we're seeing today in the Black Lives Matter movement, Mm -hmm. in the protest against police brutality. Again, it's that not that, that people are treating black individuals like less than human in many ways, less than full citizens. This should have been done and over years ago. But Susan, people say that Wallace asked for forgiveness. Jesse Jackson came down and, and, uh, on his bedside, on his deathbed, and, and gave him forgiveness. And, and so that we should look past the legacy of hatred and look to the redemption.
2: Well, you know, we can certainly forgive Wallace for what he did. But I don't think that we need to continue to have have monuments to what he actually did. Right. Even though you can forgive him, he he was repentant in the end and that's fine. But a monument that the monuments still stand for him standing in the in the state of in the university doors. And it's
0: Segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. But Josh, you know, people will argue that, you know, God forgives and forgets. And that is a biblical concept. I often say, yes, we will forgive, but we're fools to forget because we cannot fall into that trap again. And we hear Wallace rhetoric every day right now.
3: Yeah. And, and you know, there, there's one thing, uh, you know, like Susan said, there's one thing to forgive. It's another thing to honor. Uh, you know, and I'm fine. I'm all for forgiveness, and I'm all for teaching the you know uh, the story of George Wallace to to children. I'm not trying to erase the history here. We're not talking about uh, teaching the history or teaching people what happened or even removing his portraits from uh, from you know the uh, the Capitol building. Well, because you know he was our governor, these things did happen. People need to learn from them. People need to learn about what led him to that. People need to learn what led him to later in life uh, you know disavow a lot of the things that he did. Uh, but at the same time we're talking about honoring him with his name being placed on buildings and and, and other things here and and he's not worthy of that uh, what what he did and and the, the hurt and uh, and the real real pain that he caused a lot of alabamians uh here uh is something that should never be honored and no one should take glee and joy in any of it
0: no and and look we we shouldn't take a whole lot of glee in any of the things that have happened here we got probably 40 seconds madison county commission voted last week to remove the confederate monument that sits there at, at, at the uh, uh courthouse. courthouse and that is the biggest deep fake uh, that we've seen from a county commission because they asked permission josh to remove it permission. The,
3: right, they no. can't get it. The the, the more uh, Madison County Commission have, has certainly has a, law, a lawyer, and there's no way that that lawyer doesn't know that the law says, and the Supreme Court ruled last year, that you can't touch those things. The, the state law, ignorant as it is, says you can't do it. So pay, either you pay the $25,000 fine and you move it, or you don't. That's the two choices you got. I mean, there's no in-between. Right, in between. right.
0: I mean, and and we got to get out of here, but I don't know what Tommy Battle and progressive uh, people in Huntsville and Madison County are thinking when they carry on these shenanigans. But we're going to have to leave it right there. You're watching The V, The Voice of Alabama Politics. We'll be right back.
2: with the guys, do a little fishing, of course, none of us will be wearing our seat belts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all.
0: Okay.
4: Drive Safe Alabama, a message from your Alabama Department of Transportation.
1: I'm John Merrill. As your Secretary of State, my goal is to ensure that each and every eligible U.S. citizen that's a resident of Alabama is registered to vote and has a photo ID. If you're concerned about going to the polls on July the 14th, we want to encourage you to download an absentee ballot application at alabamavotes.gov or contact your local circuit clerk. Make sure you enclose a copy of your photo ID when you submit your application. We may not see you in person, but through absentee, we'll see you at the polls. Welcome back to The be, the
0: voice of Alabama politics. Other than Governor Ivey, <clears throat> who made a statement d- denouncing what happened to George Floyd, we have basically, Susan, not heard a word from the Republican leadership of Alabama. As Josh and you and I were talking the other day, it has been the silence of the sheep. They have remained silent over the Black Lives Matters they will stick their heads up and complain about protest and call it anarchist and, and thugs and, and outside agitators. But in the wake of the killing of George Floyd, which has become a national awakening and could say an international awakening, our Republican leadership here has stayed silent.
2: It says a lot about them being silent. I mean, this is a major movement in, country, in the entire country. Of course, Alabama is a focal point because we were seat of the Confederacy and seeing what we do right now is very important nationwide. And these jokers are not saying a word. That tells me a lot.
0: I mean, Josh, usually they're willing to come out and spout nonsense about everything or weigh in on everything, but we're not hearing a word from the Republican leadership about what happened to George Floyd and what's happening in our country right now.
3: Well, it's because they don't have the words, uh, you know, the the race and uh, and racial issues is something that they have traditionally used as a wedge uh, and come down on the side of, you know, uh, the George Wallace side, like we just talked about in the earlier segment, uh, you know, where they could use this to pander to, to ignorant people for cheap votes. Uh, and when it comes to actual thought and actual things that they have to do to legislate and to care for uh, minority constituents. They, they don't have the words for that. They've never had to deal with it. They've never concerned themselves with it. Uh, they have no idea how to handle any of this stuff. Uh, so when you see this movement, and I'll tell you this, this is the thing that's really got them silent, is, is you look around at all these protests, and in, the mo- in most cases, the majority of the people out there marching are white people. Uh, and that's yeah. what scared yeah. the hell out of all these Republicans, is you see a lot of white yeah. people out here who have awakened to what's been going on, and they don't know how to handle it anymore.
0: Right, and I think that's one of the things that we're seeing. Because I don't believe in my heart that uh, people like Mac McCutcheon or uh, some of the, some of the leaders. I, I I just don't see that they have racist no. intent. But they don't know what to say because there is a base of the Republican Party that wants to keep things like they are. And instead of saying yes, there has been atrocities against. Black men and women by police, they they stand up and say, well, we need to defend the police. Well, nobody's asking you to defend the police. What we're asking you to do is recognize that black lives matter and that that people in this state are being abused and neglected. I mean, you look at what's happened. I mean, how are we going to fix health care in, in the black belt? What are we going to do about joblessness in some of the worst communities in our our, our state and it's because we we have not addressed these problems properly you know over the last couple of weeks i've been talking with some of our business leaders around the state and and they are i think they're about ready to start leading on this susan
2: somebody's going to need to yeah
3: yeah uh, we've just nice. not seen any leaders <laughs> you know? Hey, listen. You're, you're right. Uh, in, in terms of uh, this, is a broader topic though than, than just police abuse. Okay, and and, and in some That's cases, right. uh, I think people do focus a little too much on the police aspect of this. Okay, uh, right. because right. It, it, we're we're talking about a whole uh, basket of issues here from edu- you know, mainly right. education and in uh, health care in uh, social programs in jobs programs uh, you know, economic development that has not gone on in a lot of black communities uh, purposefully right, right. that have hurt generations of people and that's what we're right, talking right, about with right. this.
0: Well, And those are the things that we're hearing from these business leaders who have an interest in lifting everybody up and dude, that's what I mean when we're talking about this issue we're talking about like Josh said a wide range of things that need to happen. And it's not just renaming buildings. It's not just taking down monuments. It's about lifting everyone up. But that, that social justice and equality is still lacking, and it should be. Now, the only people that are really coming forward are the kind of crazy folks. I mean, Jeff Sessions is trying to make hay with this. I mean, he's out here spouting he to the to non- make hay with everything. He's so desperate to win this re-election to the Senate that he's just spouting all the nonsense that he can possibly think of to get attention. And, and I don't think it's working.
3: All right, so, well, I mean, you know, his team lost originally in the war. Uh, and so this is where his, what he's left with, it, uh, you know. And so, I mean, literally, I mean, you know, look, th- this is what Jeff Sessions is. It's what he's always been. It's how he's always behaved. Yeah. He's never met a cause that yeah. would benefit a minority uh, that he was in favor of. Ever. I mean, this is the man yeah. who shut down civil yeah. rights investigations in police departments when he was the U.S. Attorney General. This is what he this was his last act as U.S. Attorney General was to make sure they couldn't investigate police for abuses. Yeah. That's what he did. So yeah. I mean this is who he is. And then coming right behind him is the Attorney
0: General Steve Marshall, who is is claiming that that you know this is mob rule and that George Soros you know, a boogeyman
3: is behind mm. the tearing down of the, the poor monuments. poor man's George that. Wallace. I, that's, what, that's what Steve Marshall is. He's a poor man's George Wallace. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> he's not as
0: smart as George not, Wallace was on his dumbest day.
3: I so you he's, one a of dumb, the he's a dumb I, man's George Wallace. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I tell you, one of the things that I, I found particularly shocking was that uh, Steve Phelps, the president of, of NAS, NASCAR... Announced that there would be no longer Confederate battle flags flown at NASCAR races. Susan, Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. specifically here for for Talladega.
0: Well, that's the first. That's the big first one coming up. But I mean, that the ban on the Confederate flag. You couldn't watch a, a NASCAR race in the past without seeing that flag. No.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it is kind of the ultimate white gathering, uh, and so you know, and that's you know, they took some pride in, in having that rebellious sort of streak of having the you know the that flag there, and and it's been kicked around for a long time because what it did for NASCAR was it shut them out to a fan base uh, that, that, you know, when they stayed silent on this, it shut them out to a, to a large percentage of people in this country, uh, that, that didn't want to be associated with that because they saw it as a redneck, ignorant sport. Uh, and that flag helped perpetrate that, that, uh, attitude there and that image. And so they, yeah, it just was, a uh, you know, it, it was time. It was way, way past time for this to have happened, uh, in, in that sport. And, and I'm glad to see it, it, it come down.
0: Well, I think it's interesting that they've done it. It's it's a great, great, great tribute to the NASCAR tradition of actually winning. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Josh. Appreciate you being with us this, this Sunday. Yes, sir. Thank y'all. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back.
3: The Port of Mobile is a crucial commerce center for the entire state of Alabama.
1: Activities with our shippers generated over $490 million in tax revenue for the state. We've generated 135,000 jobs by having a competitive seaport within cost-effective reach. Thanks to the state's
3: leadership, Alabama's only seaport is being modernized to ensure that we are continually competing on a global scale. For more information, contact the Alabama State Port Authority at ASDD.com.
1: I'm John Merrill. As your Secretary of State, my goal is to ensure that each and every eligible U.S. citizen that's a resident of Alabama is registered to vote and has a photo ID. If you're concerned about going to the polls on July the 14th, we want to encourage you to download an absentee ballot application at alabamavotes.gov or contact your local circuit clerk. Make sure you enclose a copy of your photo ID when you submit your application. We may not see you in person, but through absentee, we'll see you at the polls.
2: Hey man, what are you doing today? Um, playing the game. Thought I'd go out for a drive later maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it.
0: Scroll through social media. Kill a family a head on collision.
2: Cool, man.
4: Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation.
0: Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We're joined by APR's Chip Brownlee. Hi, Chip. Hey,
2: Chip.
4: Hey, Bill. Hey, Susan. Good to see you.
2: Good to see you. You
4: too.
0: Listen, people are starting to think that it's safe out there and that the COVID-19 virus is not affecting people like it was. We have evidence that is just absolutely contrary to the way people are acting. The cases are not going down. They're rising, aren't they, Chip?
4: Yes, I mean, I feel like every week we have this conversation where I'm like, uh, we had a new record increase in cases, uh, and that's true again this week. Um, On Wednesday, there was a record increase of 848 or 849, depending on how you calculate it, but big increase, the largest we've had to date. The important numbers that we like to look at, again, those 7 and 14 day averages are higher than they've ever been before. Um, And another thing that I wanted to point out is just also looking at numbers that aren't affected. You know, we hear this conversation about, well, we're just doing more testing. So let's look at some of the numbers that aren't related to testing. Hospitalizations are at the highest point that they've been since the pandemic began. Deaths are increasing again after slowing a bit in late April and early May. They're going back up again now. Um, and the percent of tests that are positive is higher now than it was in April and early May. So there's a lot of concerning numbers that say that this isn't over.
0: I mean, more deaths, more hospitalizations, more cases. And the thing that concerns me is that people have gotten the wrong message. They don't think they have to social distance. that I've, I've heard from people who go to restaurants and they're crowded, they're not wearing masks, who go to bars. They're not social distancing. People are acting like this doesn't exist. And one of the problems, I believe, is you have some in the leadership, state government, saying that this only affects the old generation and those with underlying conditions. I mean, President Pro Tem Marsh said on television that COVID-19 only affected the old generation. That's 63-year-old. Marsh saying this.
2: Well, now, understand too, two of the death numbers that we had this week were an infant and a teenager. So he's totally wrong.
0: Yeah, but Chip,
2: why is there so much
0: uh, disinformation, and why are people ignoring the facts?
4: I wish I could tell you the answer to that. There's some truth to the idea that older people are more at risk from COVID-19. I mean, that, sure, that that's is, true. That's true. They die more often. What is not true is that younger people are not at risk. Um, and you, like Susan said, we saw that this week with, uh, you know, uh, an infant and a teenager dying. And then there's also risk of other types of um, illness related to COVID-19. So there's evidence of this kind of Kawasaki-like illness um, that's and showing children, up in some younger children. children. Yeah, and which isn't directly COVID-19, but uh, they believe it's caused by COVID-19. And then on the right. flip side of this is we say that you know younger people aren't affected by this, but tell me if you're a younger person and you are an asymptomatic carrier or a pre-symptomatic carrier and you don't know that you have the disease and you give it to your... Grandmother or your grandfather, and they die. Are you telling me that you're not affected by the fact that your grandma, right. your grandmother's right. dead, or your mom's dead, right. or your dad's dead? I mean, it's yeah. not. It's not just that younger people may be dying less frequently, but they are also affected by this. And everybody has a responsibility to right. take this seriously and wear a mask and stay home when it's possible and avoid large gatherings.
2: And and Dr. Thrasher said in a uh, article this week that we published that it's not, just, it's not like the flu where you just kind of get over it and you're fine for the rest of your life. This can leave you with lifelong respiratory and kidney issues as a result of having had COVID-19. So maybe you don't die from it, but you have lifelong uh, ramifications from having it. So that's something people aren't thinking about.
0: Yeah, Dr. Thrasher, right. a very prominent uh, physician in uh, Montgomery, right?
4: Yeah. He's the head of pulmonology at Jackson Hospital and we I mean we know the situation that's going on in Montgomery where they are increasingly running out of hospital and ICU beds. They still have the capacity to treat patients. They want to make sure that, you know, people know that you can still get treated. But it is a dire situation that, you know, can't go on forever. And we did publish his article this week and I think that's such an important point. I mean, it's not just that you get it and you have COVID-19 and it, that, it's a terrible way to die from uh, pneumonia caused by COVID-19. Uh, but like you said, there are also issues with people having heart problems and dying from COVID-19 and, and long lasting uh, lung damage that lasts after you are done with COVID-19. Your lungs take a long time to recover from something like this. Um, so that's a big concern.
0: I mean, and the reason we cover this so much is because we want people to be informed and we want them to be safe. Yes, we have to open back up the economy. We have to do things that seem more normal, but it doesn't mean that people should act irresponsibly. I mean, look, the stay at home went to stay safer at home to now it seems like it's just wide open. Do whatever you want to do and forget about the health of your neighbor or your friends or your family. Just live it up, live, 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 and and I just think this is irresponsible and it's deadly.
4: Yes, and it's not it's not an either or. I think we've gotten this whole time we've had this argument: do we save the economy or do we save, uh, you know, lives? Do we focus on public health? Um, and it's not an either or; it's an and both. I mean, you you cannot have a you know superiorly functioning economy when you have a raging pandemic and we're seeing increasing signs of that. The stock market again earlier this week had its worst day since March. Um, You can't ignore the pandemic and say you're focusing on the economy, you have to address both. And again, right. I think the most important thing is wear a mask. There's increasing evidence that the best thing you can do to prevent giving this to other people and help yourself a bit is to wear a mask. And if everybody wore a mask, we wouldn't need to do another lockdown. We would like That wouldn't even be a conversation.
2: And if you're afraid it's going to be, look, make you look effeminate, they come in camo.
4: They do come in camo. And
0: if you're worried about looking effeminate... Because you're wearing a mask and protecting health, you got bigger problems than looking effeminate. Right? Uh, I'd say being stupid is the bigger problem. Being dead is even yeah. worse. Yeah. But we're going to have to leave it right there. Thank you for joining us, Chip. As always, it's a yeah. pleasure.
4: Thanks Good for having see me. you.
0: You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Stay strong, have courage, and have hope. You watch us because we. Watch them.